0: It's Andy's girls. It's episode. I truly don't know. It is currently one. There's a trend here the last couple of days. It's 1.30 here in the morning. But if you're still on East Coast time, that's about four thirty. Except we gained a day or an hour. <laughs> For whatever daylight savings bullshit. So it's I guess three thirty. Anyway, um, I was thinking to myself, Sarah you've had a day, you've had a weekend, you've been bopping and bupping around BravoCon, you can record day three tomorrow. And then I said, no, nay, I shall not. I shall record this episode late at night. I was hoping to end Vegas with um, like a normal meal. <laughs> Or and or going to Magic Mike, which I really genuinely wanted to do. But the thing about BravoCon, God bless it, God bless it, God slash Andrew Cohen, one in the same, bless it forever and ever, amen. The thing about BravoCon, though, is that it kick it kicks your fucking ass. So it's one of those things of just being. If you ask really any content creator let alone content creators who are also, I mean, I'm not a content creator. I I create SaaS. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes there's a photo there. Um, but when you're podcasting, it's just wild. It's just a wild pursuit. Um, and so I scheduled uh, a couple guests for a day three recap. And as with anything BravoCon related, all of our schedules continue to change. But I just really wanted to talk about just a couple moments. And I say that noting that these daily recap episodes are not meant to encapsulate the day's news, or honestly, even everything that I felt and experienced. It's really just a little bit, hopefully of a flash and a reset, and just a couple thoughts. um, Because I don't know, there's going to be more stuff coming. You know what I'm saying? I just felt like, uh, honestly, for my own memory, for my own memory bank, um, I found it helpful to kind of like talk through these moments. And before I just share a couple moments that I found meaningful, I do want to say that I'm working on a piece for the Daily Beast talking to Bravo fans. So if you attended BravoCon, um, I posted info about um, what I'd like to hear your thoughts on on my Instagram at Galley and my stories. So please get in touch. Um, while listening to this episode, or right after, if you would like to participate in a little bit of a chat. Um, So on that note, day three, beginning the day with Erica Jane doing Pat the Puss. Now, I was a little bit fashionably, fashionably late to Pat the Puss, as I have been literally everything every day this week, because the Las Vegas... I think on the best of days is a little bit of a magical mystery tour, but because of, I guess, a lot of stuff cooking here in Vegas this weekend, and also with this godforsaken F1 race coming up, and I say that with the sidebar of, I love Drive to Survive. Like, Daniel, call me, slide into my DMs. You, me, and Pedro can grab a drink. I really, Pedro Pascal, if you don't follow me on Instagram, you might be thinking to yourself, who is she talking about? Um, You know, love uh, sports-driven narrative storytelling, love a Netflix sports show. But I have never seen an actual driving race, an expedition before. And the thing with the way that this race is affecting Vegas, I've had this conversation with um, a couple different people who are based here who work in Vegas, and they're all just, I think, over it at this point because the race has taken over a lot of Vegas and certainly the Strip. But it also means the aesthetic isn't really there. Like you would think there are some basic things that folks in town myself included would want to do. Like ordinarily, I would be all into seeing the Bellagio fountains. I mean, I've seen oceans, et cetera, bajillions of times, specifically eleven through thirteen. So that would be high on my list. but the the kind of construction and, Guardrails and kind of industrial prison complex energy emanating <laughs> through this glorious, glorious avenue. I mean, it feels like I'm in Paris when I look at Paris, Las Vegas, and certainly Vengebump Paris. Um, so that certainly has affected, I think, some of a little bit of the energy. But going back, so I. The, I think there have been delays with people getting to BravoCon because traffic has been insane. Surge pricing with cars has been insane because everybody's in town or coming to town or the town's the town. Um, So that certainly made things, I think, a little bit complicated for for many of us, including in traveling between venues, hotels, if you went to a restaurant and how literally dare you for having the time for that. (laughs) um cereal is one hell of a meal and I am so thankful for it but anyway back to erica jane so the day started with uh, erica jane patting her puss as one does and instructing a myriad of bravo fans to do the same so of course her executive assistant but also I mean spiritual advisor creative consultant creative director art director Imaginarium. Mikey Minden was there um, with Erica, um, just honestly going through the glorious mechanics of how one actually pats the puss. And believe it or not, this was an hour long journey to figure out how a a puss is pat. Um, And I was only there for a couple minutes. It honestly was delightful. It was fun. Everybody was having fun. Erica was as serious as she always is and always will be. Um, And that added, I think, also a little b- bit of magic to it because she really wanted us to find our inner puss and to pat it, to say hello. And I appreciate that. Um, You know, shalom means hello, goodbye, and peace. And frankly, I guess so does in and the puss. So um, that was a, I guess, almost hour long. fail, <laughs> And I had to go to it. I had to swing by because one of my biggest regrets in the three Bravo cons that I've attended is that at Bravo con, I'm going to fuck up the year, but I think it had to have been 2019. There was the choice of going to the Orange County panel uh, or derobics. And I thought, because it's so dumb, but because I have a nervous system disorder and like sweat is a whole thing, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, I thought the aerobics was going to be like high adrenaline, super like heart pumping activity. And I didn't know that if that would be a terribly good idea. And also I wanted to see Shan cause who are we kidding? Um, and I will regret that forever because Andy was in like, tight, tight little 80s style workout shorts. Dorinda, I mean, full, full 80s glory. The videos that I've seen, everything looked unbelievable. So while this wasn't by any stretch of the imagination, the same kind of vibe there, um, I, I was happy that I went because I think some of these, some of the, that kind of stuff, like that kind of panel where it's less chit-chatting and more um, self-expression, I guess, experimental theater, uh, Commedia dell'arte, a little bit of a je ne sais quoi, is the stuff that really makes BravoCon magical. So I went to that for about 35 seconds and loved every second of it. And after that, um, a part of the strategy and positioning with BravoCon's past is ensuring that you have um, a seat at the table. And by table, I mean a chair in the audience at a panel. And so after walking around the um, Bravo Bazaar, which is where there are shops in the Bravo Museum, I took photos and video, which I literally just posted on my Instagram at, um, I guess, 1.30 in the morning, as one does. And um, kind of taking in the sights and, and chatting and catching up with friends. I went back into that same staging area, which is the largest stage available um of the two stages for what was the ultimate girls trip down memory lane, presented apparently by Carnival Cruise Line, which I just saw in the schedule. And how adorable is that. Um, moderated by Michael Rappaport, who is an energetic man. Um, who has a certain sensibility and a certain flavor and you enjoy it or you don't. Um, but the the thing that I appreciated about the majority of the moderators, um, especially noting that there was certainly a sense of looking for, Uh, names, I think, in line with a a pared-down schedule, was that the majority of these people genuinely love Housewives. And there's something to be said for that. We want to see people who are moderating panels who speak the language. And so I appreciate that Jerry O'Connell watches Housewives. I appreciate that Michael Rappaport watches Housewives. Because especially with those two having, I think, certain similar personalities, I think it was um at least positive in that sense that you knew that they had an actual connection and were really interested in what the um conversation was on stage um and then there were moderators like Rachel Lindsay who is an Olympian at moderating panels she's unbelievable she's fantastic she's introspective she's incredibly smart um, she has her own experience on reality TV so when she was chatting at a panel later on in the day I was just completely mesmerized. She did a fantastic job. She also moderated Potomac. Um, So there was certainly a difference in uh, the personalities of the moderators and how those were paired with specific panels, most of which I think were um, paired really well, like the combination worked. But anyway, the New York panel is what it is. My number one thought coming out of it is that you know, there are Q&As at the end of every panel. And some of those question and answer sessions when Bravo fans have the opportunity to seemingly ask, quote unquote, whatever they want to the folks on stage, some of that can be incredibly impactful and meaningful. And other times, um, it doesn't go great. So today brought the, I think, most special and most like shocking oevé moments during the Q and A's, one of which came from someone who is and became instantly beloved by the Bravo community um and even Andy, especially Andy later on, this woman named Ruth she's eighty four years old. she's from somewheresville. She is. Just She went up on stage and asked a question during, I think it was during the New York panel and just said, you know, essentially, I'm Ruth, I'm 84. We all lost our fucking minds. And she just really appreciated the universe and experience of Housewives and said, I forget if it was during the question or later on, that it was really meaningful to her, that she had been caring for her husband and that Bravo was an outlet for her. And also throughout the Weekend had like made new friends, and just the fact that this like wonderful, lovely woman um, was like emotionally vulnerable and just seemed so kind that really made an impact, I think, in everyone. She became an instant BravoCon attendee, but also celebrity. She was a BravoCon celebrity, I would say, and I will cherish the memory of watching Ruth be encouraged and surrounded by people who were rallying for her and cheering for her and celebrating her and I hope that was as meaningful for her as it was for the rest of us. But all that being said, the New York panel was interesting to me when it came to the Q&A because not a single person to my memory asked in the specific New York Ultimate Girls Trip Legacy etc. yada yada panel about Ramona. Nobody asked about Ramona. Now I can't really say it's because, oh, they wanted to be like respectful of the cast, maybe. Maybe that's what it is. And certainly, even if you are potentially like, let's say, vetting your question with the person who's wrangling by these two stages, um, uh by these two sort of podiums sort of podiums, flanking the stage on either side. So during the Q&A, the moderator would go back and forth between here's someone on the left, here's someone on the right, here's someone on the left, here's someone on the right. And so I'm sure that someone at the front, I didn't um, go up, but I'm sure that someone in the front was asking them potentially for a question, maybe at some of the more heated panels, they were attempting to do some sort of check. And with that said, I think people Some people ended up asking whatever the fuck they want. I don't know if anybody was cautioned to not ask about Ramona. It's entirely possible that they weren't and people just felt like they didn't want to bring her up. I was surprised by that. I believe that Ramona was brought up at one of the Ask Andy panels. Um, I didn't attend one of them. Um, I think he had two. So There was a little bit of a conversation about Ramona. Her name did, you know, come up at least once over the weekend. But I was genuinely really surprised that nobody had sort of dared to go near the conversation of what does it mean that Ramona is absent here? You know, how are you thinking about the experience of being on Girls Trip, noting the fact that she was, you know, disinvited from the BravoCon ball? No one went near it. So for better or worse, um. may her memory be, I guess, a memory. She's going to be obviously a huge part of Girls Trip. And I'm really curious how Bravo is going to handle that. Are they going to have her do press? Are they going to scale back as much as they possibly can? I have no idea. Um, there was a trailer for Girl's Trip which was released, which is on my Instagram, looked great, looked solid, looked interesting. Was the panel itself the most interesting thing I've ever seen in my life? No, and that's okay. Um, sometimes there are some of these panels that are done in promotion of upcoming series that, are big hits. And sometimes it's like we know these women so well. And because we don't know a lot of information about what happens on Girls Trip, there isn't necessarily a ton of energy running through it. Really, the conversation is the experience of when they were a housewife, how their lives changed as a result, a lot of stuff we've heard before, other things that were potentially new. Um, You know, what does it mean to be on pause? What does it mean to go off of it? Not necessarily like questions that would change the trajectory of great American history, but It's not necessarily intended to. I think that there's a sense when you go into some of these panels that some are going to be hotter than others. And I remember the Ultimate Girls Trip panel from last year was really intense because they had both casts, the current Ultimate Girls Trip and an upcoming trip. And there was genuine fighting uh, amongst people participating. And with this Girls Trip, I don't know that we're necessarily going to get that energy. Now, it's not to say that there wasn't anything surprising that was brought up. The number one thing I'm thinking about, aside from my love of Ruth, is the fact that Kelly Ben Bensimone mentioned that out of nowhere, Bethany Frankel emailed her, I think this week, asking her to come on her podcast. <laughs> and Kelly laughed and made a joke. Not a single person I've spoken to understood. So maybe it's something she said um, during New York, or maybe it means something to other people and someone can translate it for me. Um, but she said, you know, essentially I'll get back to her in 2025. And then she sort of waited for us to laugh. And I think some of us were confused. Like, was that a call out to the show or is that why 2025 specifically or whatever year she said, it was a little bit confusing, but the, the fact that Bethany reached out to her literally this week and was like, I don't even know what the email side. Can you even imagine? I would be surprised if it came from Bethany directly, but it also sort of would have to be. Um, So I think that's um, I I was delighted, honestly, that Kelly brought that up because I thought that was um, kind of funny, even though I didn't entirely understand the punchline, if that was intended to be one, which I think it was. Um, But the cast seem to have fun with each other. And I honestly think Girls Trip is going to be solid. Um, The other part is that Morocco, Andy during... um, uh, one of the Ask Andes was talking about the fact that you know Morocco isn't there isn't really a status change on Morocco happening. It's just because New York was doing so great that we pushed New York in front of Morocco. I really genuinely think the jury is one hundred percent out on what is going to happen with Morocco. I got the chance to chat briefly with Phaedra um, at the tail end of a Bravo Palusa se- session, which are these. Um, smaller rooms with like um past hors d'oeuvres and uh, its own individual bar where there are not a ton of people, a much, much smaller group of people. And there's a step and repeat as there is in essentially every room. And throughout the hour, there are, let's say, five or six Bravo labs. And so you get the chance genuinely to talk to all of them. Um, so Phaedra was in my Bravo Palooza. So I got the chance to talk to her at the tail end and um, was with a friend of mine who's worked on production for some Bravo shows. And so they were chatting about the difference between one show and the other. And I was dying to ask her about Morocco. But then the the clock ran out and she was escorted away because all of these Bravo celebrities are flanked. It's literally like you're going to the United Nations, but everybody's POTUS. The, every Bravo leb is flanked by a handler, security, a coordinator. It's timed like the TikTok run of show of the day seemed to be really, really well timed and the organization of this year i think was the best of the three years when it came to event staff when it came to people actually checking the wristbands at panels um which was important when it came to i think honestly like cutting down on potential fighting in seats when it's like are you supposed to be here are you supposed to be there just m- making sure that things stayed organized Um, throughout the day. It was really clear that this was done in a way that was a market improvement over uh, last year's... um, uh, What was it I just said? BravoCon. (laughs) And it's almost two. Um, It just felt a lot more organized, which added to the sense of relief that you didn't feel stressed about getting into the majority of panels. Now, the New York, New New York panel was packed. There was also a panel that I went to that I'm going to call Housewife to Housewife, but I don't think that was the actual name that had a bunch of OGs, Um, And that was also packed. Those were in the smaller rooms, uh, the one smaller room, which was the glam room. The other room, which uh, Ultimate Girls Trip was in, was called the gold room. And the thing that I found really helpful is because this space here in Vegas was just so much bigger, unbelievable that something is bigger, honestly, than the Javits Center, which feels so enormous and so cold. Um, But you know, this, this size, honestly, I think was the perfect fit, because nobody felt to my understanding, like completely um, packed in. And there was that sense last year, like there was a sense of underlying a little bit of anxiety of like, am I going to get in these rooms? I'm spending all of this time waiting in line. I'm not able to do anything else. And then when I get into the actual room, everybody's like yelling at each other and it's kind of chaos. So I found that incredibly helpful, um, that it really genuinely felt like things were being handled in a way that was really honestly on the up and up uh, because it certainly helped the energy of um, for all of us in attendance. So after the New York panel kind of meandering along, I went to the Beverly Hills panel. And my goodness, um, first off, Crystal didn't have a voice. She lost her voice. So that was, I'm sure, uh, incredibly frustrating for her during points in which she wanted to answer questions and literally had no voice. It was like raspy, not there. Um, That also happened with, I think, Austin, although I'm guessing that's kind of a a daily occurrence for him and his lifestyle at this point. I think Austin probably rages a little bit. So God only knows how the summer Uh, summer lol how the southern charm cast was responding to the delight of what vegas had in store for them what vegas had to offer um so the beverly hills panel included there were two moments um day three that i thought were incredibly impactful just from the purposes of like oh my gosh, and also what the fuck. So the most intense moment for me for the weekend happened over the weekend, through the course of the weekend. Oh, look, it's the weekend. Um, Happened at the Beverly Hills panel when Kyle broke down crying twice in a five-minute, what I'm going to refer to as a segment, but a portion of the panel, which I posted on Instagram, where she talked about her upset about um feeling like her marriage was not being essentially considered a success i think that was a part of the conversation but really about the ways that her friends were talking about her relationship and this kind of new position that she finds herself in and feeling particularly vulnerable and she really genuinely started to cry it was very intense it felt sad like i really it was hard to watch um, because you can just see the kinds of ways that, like, the stress absolutely is affecting her. And she has referenced multiple times this weekend her upset at receiving messages from people saying, I no longer, but like, you've let me down by um, separating from Mauricio. You have let me down. And I think about marriage differently because you are currently separated. And that has obviously rattled her she's referenced it repeatedly and in her moments becoming vulnerable um that 5 minute again quote unquote segment included a preview of an upcoming we'll call it a, a new dinner from hell that will be a part of the current season where there is a really awkward tense conversation about what's going on in her marriage and rumors about what's going on in her marriage and During Kyle's, you know, sharing and and talking about the fact that she felt like the cast wasn't being respectful of what her family was experiencing, there was absolute pushback. Um, I think there was gentle pushback from Dorit, for example, certainly Sutton, and absolutely Garcelle, who at the tail end of Kyle talking was Garcelle handled this beautifully, but essentially said, you know, I care about you, I care about your family. And also, you're on reality TV, you need to share, we need to be able to talk to each other. So if you're upset that people are asking you questions, that is quite literally the job of what we're doing. And there are people who have experienced a lot and have had their feet held to the fire. She referenced Erica Jane, for example, and said, it's not pleasant, but that is a part of this. And if other people have carried burdens, you're not an exception. And it was a moment that was like, she said it in a way that wasn't attempting to be combative in any way, but just honestly clarifying. And Kyle's response was to essentially say, I get that. I just didn't feel like the ways that it was discussed or handled or the intention behind it was um, from a place of care. And it reminded me a little bit of just kind of the ongoing tension, I think, about some of Kyle's reactions and upset about the ways her separation has been discussed within the actual Bravo community itself. Because regardless of how you feel about Kyle, I do think that there is um, sympathy and empathy for what she's experiencing. But also, I don't know if there is is a little bit of a revisionist history taking place with the ways that Kyle has either directly involved herself in talking about other people's relationships or stayed quiet. Like allowing the conversation to continue because she understands that it's a part of the job. And this is one of those like wake up call moments. And I don't say that in any way, intending to be, um, Disrespectful or, you know, a blind to what she is experiencing, but to also say that there has been pushback from members of the community and obviously members of the cast who believe that in the ways that other people's drama and speculation have been addressed, that, you know, this whole goal of conflict resolution begins with the word conflict that when it comes to actually talking about other people's dynamics and relationships, which is a thing that many friends do, um, not intended to be gossip per se, but just to really unpack what another person is experiencing, especially if you're coming from a place of care. And on Housewives, that care is also content, right? The ways that a lot of these women express a sense of care is also directly connected to the storytelling and the narrative. It's the speaking the things out loud that sometimes you think deep within. We can't watch a show where these women are staring at each other and there are thought bubbles. Although I loved pop-up video on VH1 and you better believe that someone should be writing a letter to bravo right now asking them to do a pop-up video of a beverly hills episode. I think that would be delightful. I know that they do sort of a version of that or have with like extended episodes on bravo, but it's not the same thing. Pop-up video, like it's it's just simply not. Um but when it comes to so when it comes to like having the conversation of these people either talking in a way that I feel like is disrespectful or not kind or whatever else, I mean looking at the history of BH and the ways that some cast members have stayed quiet including Kyle because they understood I think it's it's just a little bit of a not to borrow the phrase from Bethany but a little bit of a reality reckoning just in terms of like you have you Kyle has shared a lot of vulnerability and tension she also discussed the ways that last season really affected her There was a question from um, a member of the audience asking, you know, the ways that Kyle was very, very upset, vulnerable, crying, overwhelmed at the tail end of the last reunion was, you know, anything going on in her marriage with Mauricio that impacted the ways that she seemed really rattled at the reunion? And Kyle said, no, she said, that was entirely my sister's uh, and sister. There was a lot going on behind the scenes that you didn't see, which I'm sure is true. And while she said they're in a much, much better place, um, the three sisters together are doing really well and knock on computer. We want that to continue. um, But you know regardless of that there was a sense that she seemed really upset at that reunion and so she has shared and gone through experiences and had members of the cast judge her and her relationships with her family but it has never been to my knowledge as sustained and specific to Mauricio it's always been Sort of questions and a little bit of a whisper, not even a whisper campaign, but just a little bit of a whisper in the background that has never really added up to anything of consequence aside from being on potentially ongoing conversation in the Bravo fandom and the greater Bravo community. And this is a different experience for her. And I think it is a little bit potentially of a reckoning. And while Kyle absolutely is in my top five, you can hold many things at once. And while I have total empathy for what she's going through, and you can hear my voice when she's like crying on the video I posted because I really genuinely felt for her and I felt terribly for her. And I heard from people who also were really upset in watching the video or being in the room that also, you know, when it comes to like criticizing the ways that people are discussing your marriage. I mean, I don't want to do the let's roll the tape, but there is a little bit of an element here of, uh, not even a little bit, a lot of bit of what Garcelle is saying about that being the very nature of their job and a person feeling like their marriage has been disrespected. I mean, that is a very, very long list. Um, speaking of marriages, Dorit also mentioned that she and PK are not splitting up, they're not getting a divorce, they're not separated, they are though going through challenging times and they're kind of figuring things out. And so she also then had a conversation with Erica, once again, talking about what Erica said at Watch What Happens, and Erica clarifying again that she really, truly had no idea that Dorit and PK were going through a challenge at that time. And the way that she actually really realized that she had stepped in some shit there was because she said, you know, Dorit and PK are always able to really quickly laugh things off with her. And this was the first time that they weren't laughing. And that was an enormous clue to her that she had stumbled into a situation that she genuinely wasn't aware of. And I I genuinely believe her in that. Paris is always a good idea, and when I schlep on over to Europe to my favorite city in the world, I bring with me a few important phrases that I have learned from housewives. C'est bon, c'est bon. Chic, c'est la vie. Je m'appelle the Countess. N'est-ce pas, Lou And while those key phrases are important when speaking to any French bravoholic for other matters of life... That's where Rosetta Stone comes in. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including, of course, French. It features fast language acquisition. It immerses you in so many ways, there's no English translations. So you really learn to speak, to listen, and to think in that language. It's an intuitive process. You pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. J'adore Chris Manzo. There's a speech recognition filter, which gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's convenient with desktop and app options, and it's an amazing value. Rosetta Stone's Lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. A steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Today. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. When my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is... Looking for Durenda on the Upper East Side? AstroPro always has my back and nose. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with AstroPro. Go to AstroProAllergy.com for a discount so you can AstroPro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. AstroPro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15-20% to in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's r o . c o slash andysgirls. Sign up today. Heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Way's anti frizz cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S., I am way obsessed with Way's other bestsellers. They're leave in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T H E o u a i dot com and enter promo code andy for fifteen percent off any product that's t h e o u a i dot com with promo code andy um and the beverly hills panel was also interesting for the ways that Teddy Joe came up in conversation because you know Kyle is talking about the fact that she doesn't feel like her friends were kind to her or supportive of her in does silence equal support when it comes to being on camera? Couldn't tell you. Not everybody has been there for 13 years and has the same kind of history and relationship, um, and frankly, power that Kyle does. And then Sutton brought up a point that I thought was incredibly valid, which is well, I didn't hear you push back when Teddy was talking about uh and was um alleging quite clearly that I travel with alcohol, vodka, whatever the fuck she said in my purse wherever I go. And you could tell Sutton was clearly upset, directed it at Kyle and Kyle didn't have a response. She stayed quiet. Hey, maybe she was following her own instructions, right? just be quiet. <laughs> um, don't mention it all. This is not the place for that. Um, so I found it to be an incredibly interesting, powerful reunion. Um, and I just literally called it a reunion because some of these panels feel like mini reunions. Potomac certainly did. There was an element here at a BH that I thought was interesting. Also, I know nothing about the new housewife, um, Anne-Marie, new housewife. Um, I think her name is Anne-Marie. And uh, she's actually not even shown in the panel information. They don't include her name or a um, headshot in any way. Um, but I'm wondering about how she's going to fit into the group. She was uh, very much in control of her voice and having an opinion on several topics during the panel. And that's always interesting when it comes to being a first season housewife and trying to figure out your role, not only within the cast, but at public events when there's a little bit of a performance there of being on stage. So we'll see what happens there. I think we'll get more information certainly on um, and more answers to how she works from a chemistry perspective with the rest of the cast as the rest of the season goes on. So after the Beverly Hills panel, I meandered along the way, as I am known to do, and then um, went on down to a panel called Housewife to Housewife, Day One Divas. So that included Giselle, Heather, Teresa, um, Kyle, Robin, and Vicky. And that was a fantastic panel, moderated by Rachel Lindsay, if you're at BravoCon and Rachel Lindsay is moderating a panel, I highly recommend that you go to it if you are able to. And it was, frankly, a really, really incredible panel. There were a lot of great questions asked. I'm going to post a bunch of them on social. And the sense of things that I find really clarifying, especially when you think about Teresa, for example, is that when Teresa feels like she is in a space, at a panel, at an event with people that she seems to trust, that she doesn't feel like are going to fuck with her. That might seem obvious, but because everything is so, so heavy and complicated in New Jersey right now, it to me is helpful to see her taken out of the New Jersey kind of environment in BravoCon and put into a room with OGs from Potomac from Salt Lake, from Beverly Hills, from Orange County, because you can tell that she relaxed a lot more. And I think was a lot more open with her answers, and the women talked about you know whether or not they'd be interested in their kids being on Housewives. She said, you know, Gia's too young, Gia's way too young to get married, but who knows what will happen? And also Melania could be interested. Maybe one day for the next generation of housewives. Vicky talked about the experience of um being put on pause. I thought the questions that were asked <clears throat> I'm quite literally losing my voice. Um a la Crystal Kong Minkoff. I am Crystal Kong Minkoff um galley right now. Um, but while I still have a voice, um I thought that the the questions that were asked were really, really smart and um, at some points funny. There were also boos, though, throughout the course of the day. Louis decided to surprise the panel by asking a question that obviously he had pregamed with Teresa, which isn't as much of a problem as it is just Louis being everywhere and was roundly booed. He was booed more than anyone by far through the course of the weekend, just roundly, loudly booed whenever he appeared. And I don't know how you prepare for that. Um, Housewives is sometimes compared to the WWE. That's something that Lisa Rinna also has said, uh, I'm sure in equal part to say it, as well as to take off some of the heat from when she was booed last year. But I think there was no comparison between her reception from um, Bravo fans and the ways that Louis was just pummeled everywhere he went. Not to say it wasn't deserved, but to say that it was a um, consistent thread through the course of the weekend. He wasn't the only one, though. And that's kind of the interesting thing with the ways that the audience feels comfortable and guttural in responding to moments in which they feel like they're getting canned information. For example, someone asked Heather, what the fuck happened with your eye? When are we ever going to find out? Will we ever find out? And she attempted to do a, a, a version of watch what happens to be continued and it wasn't meant with a lot of Um, favor from those in attendance. And that's kind of the interesting thing. You can go from people and the the vast majority of this large audience cheering for you and celebrating you. And then 30 seconds later, you give an answer that doesn't feel honest or complete. And I think it's the completion that is key. And people are going to boo the fuck out of you. And it might be those very same people who were cheering you moments before which is wild. I mean, people talk about, you know, what's your Q score? What's your rating? What's your popularity when it comes to network decisions? And then these there's the experience of BravoCon, which is in many ways genuinely guttural in the ways that people respond to each other. I mean, there were moments in Michael Rappaport's panel I think both New York and New Jersey where he decided a question was too spicy during the Q&A and the irony is some of them quite literally were not others were but he would just cut down questions instead of giving a housewife the opportunity to answer it or not answer it but choose to do that like I think he thought and and they may well have been coached or advised to really step in um and and end any kind of like really tense moment. But he took over in such a way that it was like, wait, these women are professionals. They know what they're doing. Give them a chance to try to troubleshoot and figure it out. Um, But he was booed at points when he stepped in and was like, we're not going to answer that question. And it's one of those moments of, wait a second. Well, uh, we appreciate that you are attempting to do your job as moderator and doing your job as moderator. But let the person that you just cut off attempt to answer. Because there were a couple moments where, not specific to Michael, but to others, where there was a a cast member, a Bravo Lab on stage, who was interested in responding. And that response may have been, I don't have a response, but they wanted to be the one to say it. They didn't want that um, kind of control to be lost. And I'm sure... The other side of the coin is that there were people who were thrilled, understandably so, to have someone else say, we're not going to get into that because these panels can go from zero to a thousand very quickly, as was evidenced by the very last panel of BravoCon 2023, which I'll get to in a moment. But before that, and quite literally a 10-minute episode that once again is at minute 40, so after Housewife to Housewife, Day Day One Divas, um, we went south to Southern Charm. And I just have to say, um, aside from uh, a moment of confusion and, oh God, gaslighting is so overused, but Austin was doing his level best to reset and put... Um, I guess he would reference it likely in his head as shared responsibility on his shoulders and Taylor's for the decisions that he seemingly made on their behalf to lie to Olivia. That came up at the Southern Charm panel. Olivia essentially told him to go fuck himself, which was incredible and iconic. And also on my Instagram, where she essentially was just like, shut up. Um, So there were certainly moments of conflict and contention during the episode Um, pat was there and god bless her for at one point saying this season bored me i didn't think anything has actually I, i i don't think anything has actually happened she gave an update on michael who is doing well um, has uh, gotten a manual um, driven car, so he's able to live um, while he's living in a facility. The fact that he's able to drive can provide so much freedom and independence for him. Um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, um, Pat's um, Butler, I believe is the phrase, but also friend Michael, who is uh, at the heart of Southern Charm, suffered a very rare um, spinal seizure and is paralyzed as a result. So Pat was certainly getting emotional during the panel talking about him. And I think he's a topic of conversation that Southern Charm fans constantly reference because he was just a sweet man. And I know he is on Instagram. So um, I wish I had his handle, but you can certainly easily find it. He um, just seems like such a lovely guy and someone who really i think pat said like really misses being on the show and being in the the mix of things and she said he was very sassy and um sarcastic and that we didn't necessarily see that aspect of him but i think we saw a little bit of it certainly more than a little he had a great great sense of humor and so if you're interested in following michael the butler on instagram i would highly recommend it um But, you know, there were moments where she was just kind of, she has the ability to kind of really ground people, which I thought was helpful. But there were a couple other moments that I thought were interesting. First off, Madison didn't really talk a lot at all all during the panel, which I was surprised by. She was pretty quiet as Lala was honestly during the majority of VPR until the very end um, during the VPR panel. But Madison did say that, you know, because someone asked about her experiences parenting and referenced the scene when her son came in and was upset because he had gotten into a fight with um, someone, maybe a classmate. And I watched that scene. and was so sad. It was so upsetting. And then Madison just breaking down because her child had been hurt and um, was emotional and was scared and upset. And she did give us the update that she went to. I think her words were like, I went to um, that mama's (laughs) home to talk to her in person about her child, which got a uh, large, large tear from the crowd. Um, also found out that Craig doesn't believe that pandas are real. Craig says that pandas are a conspiracy. He doesn't think they're real. And they also showed a clip of an upcoming moment from the season where they're putting on tin foil hats, which Craig has a lot of feelings on and says repeatedly is not a joke. He has thoughts about pandas, thoughts about aliens, has a lot of interest in both for different, but maybe potentially similar reasons. Um, and putting that aside, or maybe because in addition to that, Craig's answers, both in defending Catherine at points when someone asked about whether or not Catherine should return to the show. And there was maybe a little bit of an edge in the way that Question was um, being presented. He immediately brought it back to like humanizing Catherine and saying, "We support her. We want her to be back. We essentially filmed with her uh, this season. Um, production allowed us to, as a favor to us. We wanted. We want her to work. And the undercurrent there that I picked up on was like, we want her to be able to support herself. So let's get her a job." And the job that she is qualified for is being on TV. Now, is that healthy for her? I, I I personally don't know. He, Craig also mentioned, as I think Shep did, and maybe Austin too, that she's going through something. She has some challenges. She needs to get healthy. So she's gotten into some complications of recent of note. Um, I don't know where she is in her journey. Um, I think she has been struggling for a while and certainly there were a lot of complications and challenges relating to a very, very, very long-term, incredibly acrimonious, uh, custody battle. So I found it really honestly, like kind of lovely to see the way that Craig immediately just went to defend her. And he also noted that, you know, production did them the favor of, filming a scene with Catherine, and he said, you probably won't see it, which that was kind of an interesting way to phrase it and an honest one. And the thing with Craig this season of Southern Charm is he's just become so, and maybe he always has been, but this season, I really, really have appreciated him, his role on the show. He has been incredibly smart, um, emotionally intelligent in a way that is exceedingly rare with the men slash guys on Southern Charm. And he was exactly the same way at the panel. And I I don't know, I I guess Shep has become or maybe always kind of was a little bit of a clown. And maybe we gave him more credit than he deserved, or maybe he deserved it. And he's just a complicated guy. I don't know what his popularity level is like within the universe of Bravo, let alone the specific universe of Southern Charm. But I do have to say that I know that Craig has been beloved by people for a long time, and I didn't necessarily understand the extent of it until this season. And I'm like, holy shit, he is vitally important to me for the storytelling here. And also a little bit of a return to clarity um, and consciousness when it comes to the ways that women are treated on the show and holding some of these guys accountable. I think has been really important. Um, I should also note that I am quite literally losing my voice. But before the voice leaves me, um, there were a couple, two more things that I just wanted to note. One is the Bravos aired tonight. You can see Dylan and myself at the beginning of the episode um, when Andy's talking about how the seating was crazy. We were and how crazy it was to figure out which Bravo Labs should sit next to each other and the wild combinations. We were fifth row. Talent was the first four rows. It was an insane, wonderful, perfect night. Um, There are also some rumors that are going on online about whether or not Teddy who came on incredibly strong and very very aggressive against Vicky during a game of um everybody on earth's favorite uh classic what what ha- <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. watch what happens um style segment uh squash that beef that Teddy came out was very strong had her Uh, canned lines. I think she thought she was going to like hit it out of the park or whatever, wasn't received terribly well. And she's someone who comes in and makes choices at points, maybe during her time on Housewives, maybe during her time as a very successful podcaster, but podcaster on the show, certainly when it comes to uh, her most recent appearance on Watch What Happens Live and also at this special um, uh, um, Bravo episode. And I'm realizing now, was the squash that beef for the Bravos or I went to a second, um, watch what happens taping. So I forget which one included the squash that beef. I think it was the Bravos. Um, but regardless at whichever taping, (laughs) watch what happens. I was at Vicki and Teddy got into it. Teddy had her canned lines about, uh, you know, at least my cancer is real directly referencing Brooks, but the problem is that Teddy doesn't have a sense of humor. So when she thinks of these things or they're thought of for her, she definitely gets the snark factor, but she's just not witty. And so it comes off in a way that's very loaded and also kind of it's, I mean, cold, maybe the the better term is severe because cold isn't necessarily an issue, but the severity of it uh, is very clear and very strategic. It doesn't feel real. And because she's not exactly beloved by the Bravo uh, audience as is, it's not especially helpful for her. But there's there are rumors that she left the taping crying, that she was really upset. I don't know if it, she was upset. She felt humiliated that The audience was taking Vicky's side. I don't know if she was upset because she felt like this was her opportunity to shine and it didn't go the way she wanted. Um, But there was a question about Teddy during the uh, Beverly Hills panel of someone saying to Kyle, you know, why do you keep trying to make Fetch happen? Teddy is never going to happen. Stop pushing her on us. And Kyle was visibly upset and said, essentially, you know what? She's a good friend of mine. And Um, she had you haven't seen the full Teddy and I'm going to continue to be a a friend and, you know, supporter and I guess advocate for her as well. And, you know, noting that they have a great, wonderful, beautiful friendship. And I guess Teddy has her own shit with Sutton, which he continues to talk about on the podcast in relation to Kyle and everything else. I just think we need to kind of let some of this go. Tamara's doing it too with, you know, if Teddy can't come on Beverly Hills, she could come on Orange County. And it's just, it feels like enough. But also, Teddy is going down a path that's a little bit similar to Bethany in, in the sense that because she has a Bravo podcast, there's a level of ownership that she has, understandably so, also connected to her experience actually being on a Bravo show. But you got to be able to dish it and take it. And to borrow from a Bethany is uh, Bethanyism, it's hard to play smart and stupid at the same time. And Teddy is doing a bang up job of accomplishing at least one of the two. And kudos to her for that. But I don't want to mock her for crying, leaving the taping. But I do want to say that she is trying to perform this zero fucks attitude. She obviously does care. And it's hard to do both at the same time to put on the armor of like, I have changed. I'm different now. Maybe this is the colorization of what she thinks courage or bravery or strength looks like, but it just feels false doesn't feel real and also we we don't really for some of us i'm I'm sure teddy has her fans but there isn't a lot of investment there so if someone is coming off in a way that doesn't feel organic and is certainly not successful the audience isn't going to give her any grace because they don't feel like she deserves it and maybe they're seeing her going out of her way not to give it to someone else so there was that squash that beef about um I think it is actually an upcoming Watch What Happens. I don't think it was the Bravos. There's so much that I have experienced (laughs) and witnessed over the course of BravoCon. So I guess it's a little bit of a preview. If it wasn't at the Bravos, um, it happened at a later episode. You can tell... The lack of sleep that I have had at this point for the last several days and the amount of talking that I have done through the course of those days. But I do just want to reference before I wrap this episode, which was 10 minutes but also 55, that um, the absolute most chaotic panel of the entire weekend. Not super surprising if you went to BravoCon, unless you're bar none, was the New Jersey panel part two, which had um, Danielle, the spouses minus Evan Goldschneider, Jackie, Danielle, Jen, Aiden, Teresa, Dolores. And it was tough. Um the kind to me interesting thing is you know melissa i went to melissa and teresa's panels this year and last year cuz that's the way that i think of them in my head and i think the way uh you know a, a lot of people might as well um melissa's panels i don't just say this as a gorgita crunch i just i i can't really honestly figure it out but melissa's panels seem to be filled with melissa supporters and those melissa supporters don't boo her And then you go to the Teresa panel, which I went to this year and last year. I would think that the Teresa panel would be filled with more militant tree huggers. Like, sure, there could be quote unquote spoilers, people who are going in who have the right to voice their opinion as they'd like. But I would think because tree huggers are so well known in the Bravo community for being so vocally supportive of her that you would think the energy in Teresa led panels specific to Beverly Hills would be very pro Teresa. And I haven't had that experience as an audience member just in purely watching the New Jersey panels featuring Teresa since there was a split last year and this year. It is honestly wild there teresa was booed so many times not as many times as louis was but many times and in addition to that including like talking about the fact that she's sort of letting things go with her brother the difference in how melissa and joe discussed the split of um you know Teresa and Louie from their lives and vice versa the ways that they communicated that and it was also received in their panel versus Teresa's is a staggering to me difference i posted video a few moments ago on my social you just have to like swipe through a photo of me with Teresa and Louis at a bravo at the bravo palooza um cuz i posted a couple fo- a couple videos from each panel um also, Jen Aiden was so off of her fucking rocker that Michael Rappaport, minutes into the panel, had to essentially be like, calm down. I've got this. You don't need to drive this train. There would be moments in absolutely unrelated questions being posed to other people. And Jen Aiden would cut in and say, Um, is a great guy. You just don't know him. You'll get to know him better. It was wild and chaotic. And I don't know what the fuck was going on. Um, But to see Jackie there talking about the fact that there's some sort of tension or split rupture or breakdown in her relationship with Marge and apparently also Melissa and watching Jackie, who has switched alliances or teams or however you want to see it, just watching this all play out while attempting to be like, Marge is the problem here. Not all of this other chaos is fascinating. I wonder, obviously, we'll wait and see what actually leads to um, her choosing to separate from Marge. And um, Melissa, there's been a lot written about it, but I want to see it through the storytelling of the upcoming season itself. Also, Teresa keeps referencing that she has receipts and it all comes together and people will have a better understanding and she'll finally v- be vindicated on the upcoming season. I'm genuinely curious if any of that actually pans out. Like genuinely, not critical. Um, curious if all of that pans out. I do also wonder what the fuck is going on with Jackie's motivations <laughs> in switching over to the side. I really mean that not criticizing her, but just being like sweetie like what is going on because we watched her last season and her change and her role change to being a friend of and she herself because she's i think really honest and um understands the environment of being on reality tv There's a sense there that she gets that she didn't have the best season as a friend of and wasn't the most welcoming, um, her first season as a friend of rather, she wasn't the most welcoming to um, Danielle and Rachel. And now with this happening, I'm like, are we just doubling down on a strategic decision prior if that was a strategic decision? Or maybe that was just a guttural reaction on coming from a place of hurt of like, I feel like I've been replaced and by these two and whatever else. I don't know. It's just I need to see more of that, but I'm so confused, and I wonder if Jackie is too after coming out of that panel. And listen, the most intense, emotionally intense moment for me from the weekend um, happened in the Beverly Hills panel. The most what the fuck moment for the weekend happened it at the tail end of this final panel the new jersey part 2 panel which um didn't go super well during the Q&A a lot of aggressive pointed questions likely not surprising just a sense of chaos in the audience it was i literally at one point i couldn't you know record the all of the video that i wanted to do cuz everything was going so insane. Um, But I have a lot of it. But at one point, I just literally posted in the middle of people screaming at each other like this panel is completely off the rails. And I talked about it with a bunch of content creator fans, friends after who are also um, Jersey fans. And they were like, this is nuts. That was a nuts, chaotic panel. And it, I think, leads to some broader questions about the universe and factions of team melissa versus team tree and the way they represent themselves as individual communities at these kinds of live events how much of that is coming from them versus other people taunting them i i really i couldn't tell you but there was a question and again it's on my on my instagram that was the single most chaotic question and answer moment and um, cast member response, which is when someone assembled to the mic during the Q&A and said, Jen, um, could you crawl up Teresa's asshole any further? Imagine what the response to that was. The wild thing was, in a panel, Teresa led specific to New Jersey, rounds of applause, like cheering, screaming. And sure, was that t- intended to drag Jen? Yes but was teresa a part of that drag 100% so jen immediately lost her shit she uh, i think i think accidentally potentially misgendered the person um who asked the question that might be because of the positioning of where the screens are which the cast members can't see versus looking pretty far away in an incredibly like performatively lit. It, it, there's so much lighting going on on stage. It, it is a live performance, not performatively, It's but it is in fact a live performance. So you're not able to really like see all of your sight lines and anything else. So I don't know where the confusion began and the insult ended, if that makes any sense. But um, Jen didn't handle that. Uh, Jen actually handled that in a way that's probably consistent to Jen. She kind of sprang out of her seat and just started yelling, which I think was tough because of all of the cheering and the kind of deafening roar and the shock of it. Michael Rappaport's face was just equally, I think, shocked at what was going on. Teresa leapt out of her seat and was essentially saying like, no, this is what happens when you're a friend. You obviously don't have any friends. Um, Jen then unfortunately said repeatedly, you know, to direct her insults back to the person asking the question said, big boy, big boy, big boy, which I thought was so gross. Um, And I don't entirely understand the reaction from people online. I know that clips of this have gone viral, Uh, But I do have to say that while the question itself was, I mean, lol on me even pretending that it was a question, was intended to be aggressive, Jen's response was completely inappropriate and also just added to a level of like... Instability of the actual panel itself, not of any individual, but just the fact that the foundation of this panel was so fucking shaky. And then, poor sweet Dolores is there with Polly, just just trying to make it the way through. I mean, you know, Dolores and Polly can take care of themselves. Like they're not. I'm not worried about them in any way. But it's just. It was such a shit show that after we all just thought to ourselves, that was absolute unbelievable chaos. Um, And that was also day three, guys. So this was a 10-minute episode that lasted about 70. Uh, More to come. I do want to get into just an overall feeling of the narrative of BravoCon and also the powers that be. This came up in conversation at dinner tonight with... um, Some pals, the powers that be decided to premiere seemingly every franchise that I care about this week. So please um, be understanding and patient with your uh, content creator pals, your podcasters, your writers, your whomevers that we just need a sense to catch our breath a little bit and then actually watch the shows that we're dying to discuss. And also, there's still a lot of BravoCon content that we want to unpack, certainly while our memory is still relatively fresh. So I'm excited for Married to Medicine. I'm excited for Potomac. I'm excited for my—I still haven't seen the Miami premiere. I'm excited for New Southern Charm, that apparently aired in days I forgot existed because I don't even remember there are days of the week anymore. I just think of BravoCon, day one, day two, day three, and I. Quite literally, I'm sorry if you could hear me clearing my throat a little bit through the course of this recording, which I absolutely cannot edit because my body has broken down. But I really felt to myself. I really was like I was saying to Bravo, Bravo, talking Bravo, because we're sharing a hotel room. I was saying to to her, I was like, you know what? I know. I, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna record this in the morning. I'm so tired, and that's the thing that I have said before. And she was like, sounds great. And then minutes later, I was like, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna record right now because I just really wanted to, while it was fresh in my mind, and because I know there are so many people who want to have a sense of what the experience of BravoCon was like, and hopefully specifically through the lens of AG, um, which like the pod itself is not a recap. It's just like, here are the things that came to mind that uh, seem to be connected with my experience attending or or feedback that I um, heard from other people through the course of the weekend Um, that I just really wanted to do a day one, day two, day three. And so I'm so thankful to those of you who've been on the ride. And I have to say, I'll get more into this on a, a, a fuller picture of BravoCon moments that I haven't had a chance to um, get to, but uh, the the single greatest part of BravoCon was meeting so many AGs. And I just want to thank all of the people who I met and took photos with and hugged and had the chance to connect with and, and tell you how I really can't cry. I I my throat is so dry. There's no remaining moisture. But know that I am emotional on the inside, even though you may or may not hear it um through my body um at this point. But it was so overwhelmingly meaningful for me to meet so many Andy Scrolls listeners and um, having some really intense really connective um unbelievable conversations I'm so so thankful so um if you saw me in the wild and had a chance while I was like running between one place and the other thank you for introducing yourself and stopping because um to chat because that is what made BravoCon bravo con for me it was this single my single favorite part. Obviously, you know, also snuggling with Shan is um, a close number two. We'll say that. Um, So listen, more Bravo content to come more housewife psychology content to come. I'm excited for Married to Med. I'm excited for Southern Charm. There will be some Taking It Personally episodes forthcoming so that we can really deep dive into certainly the best show on Bravo, meaning Married to Med and Southern Charm having an unbelievable season. And um, guys, thanks for being a part of this journey. And um, I feel like I sound like a am a contestant on The Bachelorette, but this journey and Um, I guess if I was on Love is Blind, social experiment um, has been unbelievable. I'm so thankful to folks who have encouraged me and um helped me take the take this trip and um tomorrow i guess technically today it's been today since i started recording but i'll be off to la for a couple of days we'll record some episodes there hopefully get my voice back um probably cough repeatedly um after finishing recording this episode probably for the next several hours and um keep some episodes uh Common. So speaking of episodes, um, have you joined the Anders Girls Patreon? Number one way to support the pod, get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more. $2 a month gets you my love and sass. $5 a month gets you two bonus episodes. $10 a month gets you four bonus episodes. And there's also a premium tier where you can record a Patreon episode with me or hop on a Zoom and chit chat. And I love to do it. It's a great holiday gift, I have to say, from um, Santa or Hanukkah Harry or um, just, you know, a friendly neighborhood tree with maybe some bells and whistles on it or, you know, an outdoor sled. So um, thanks for listening. <laughs> Words are tough. You can follow me on Instagram and see a bunch of BravoCon videos. I also posted a bunch of photos and other stuff um, at Dame Galley and BravoConvo day three. We did it, you guys. I can't believe it. I guess we did, in fact, make Fetch happen. And I'm so thankful um, to all of us <laughs> for getting through it. And um, again, if you're interested in participating in that Daily Beast piece, slide into my DMs um, on Instagram at DameGalley, or you can email me at show at gmail.com. And of course, if you have a satchel of gold about BravoCon, about Married to Med, about Southern Charm, about any of the Housewives shows... On TV or of recent, um, certainly I'm I would love to read them and potentially feature your Satchels of Gold on an upcoming Patreon Satchel Spectacular. So, on that note, guys, as you know, I like to um wrap up an episode by wrapping up no less than six to seven times, and this episode is absolutely no different. So, I will say for the 45th time on that note, thanks so much for listening, and we will chat soon. Bye bye.